darn, I didn't get to talk about parallel universes. Oh, shucks. <laughs> This is Not the Destination, the podcast about staying creative and discovering your path. Every week, we embark on a thought adventure to figure out what makes our creative clocks tick. This is a chance for us to recharge and take stock of why and how we want to make great stuff. This is Season 1, Episode 12, the last episode of this season. We're so glad you joined us. Hey, Tony, how are you today? I'm awesome, Nina. How are you? I'm great. It's sunny. It's warm. It's so Hallelujah. great. Hallelujah. <laughs> so awesome. Yeah. It's great. So today, and this is kind of fitting because this is the last, like this is the end of the road mm-hmm. for our first season. Right. I thought that we could talk about time and expectations. Mm, okay. Dun, dun, dun. (laughs) Two biggies. Yeah. So I was sort of thinking about this in the perspective of Einstein's quote, which showed up on my quote of the day calendar Mm. just about a month ago. I was was thinking about his quote, the the purpose of time is so that everything doesn't happen at once. Mm. And I was sort of thinking how that fit in with my expectations of things. Okay. So squaring how sometimes I'll have these expectations that things will happen right away. Uh-huh. And that in some ways that's kind of boring. Since if things happen right away, then they sort of happen all at once. And there's no joy in the time. There's no joy in the journey. I was going to say there's no journey. Right. It's just like you snap your fingers. It's like beam me up, Scotty. You know? Right. He beams you up and then poof, you know, you've had your event or whatever it is. And that's that. Which looks super cool in the it latest does. Star Trek movies, I gotta <laughs> say. <laughs> I would love to be able to do that. Right. But I think that that I would still miss the drive. You know, I would still miss mm. the, you know, the, the taking the scenic route. Yeah. And I think the same thing can be true of... A lot of things in life, uh, like a lot of projects, a lot of, of of things that we want to make and start. And I even think things that we want to change about ourselves, if we could just, you know, snap our fingers and be 20 pounds lighter. Mm-hmm. I think that a lot of people would take that. I mean, like a lot of people pay for that, or oh, at yeah. least they try to. Right. But I think that the problem that we've seen, and I just read this in a recent study, um, the the uh, the only two diets that actually work in helping people keep the weight off are Weight Watchers and uh, Jenny Craig. Huh. This was a study by a major university, maybe Carnegie Mellon. I'll have to look it up so we can include it in our show notes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they did a study of every major diet or you know food trend, mm-hmm. um, and they found that those were the only two where people actually kept it off. Hmm. And I can totally see why. Like, as I was thinking about that, I can totally see why, because it's a lifestyle change. Right. So those solutions where we snap our fingers and then we get there, we sort of lose all the learning 
that happens in doing things differently and in real change. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I hear you. So what maybe we could start with a story of like a project or something that we've tried to do that we thought would take far less time than it did and that we were frustrated about. <laughs> it, do you have any examples? It sounds like the story of my life. <laughs> <laughs> I always think things will be quick, you know, and I work very well under pressure. So I often will right. leave things not purposely, but they end up being left to the last minute. And I guess like with my art projects and things, I've just been doing it for so long that I can sort of pull through in the last minute. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm just trying to think of some other, well, I mean, a current example for me would be I've decided that uh, I'm pretty sure I'll be moving. So that means uh, packing up stuff in my house, getting rid of things, all that. And when I first made that decision, I thought, oh, you know, it would take like about a month probably for me to go through all my clothes, books, you know, all my belongings and, and get them nicely, you know, packed up and, and stored away. And it's just, you know, it's just not happening because there's too many other things that pop up. And um, plus, you, I just didn't figure in on the amount of time it would take for me to say, right. you know, clean out my closet or whatever. So... Luckily, you know, I, I recognize that I did not want to become panicky over this move. I don't want to be all bent out of shape, but I want to be like super relaxed and I want the whole thing to just sort of flow effortlessly out from me, you know? Right. So um, I had to just, you know, take stock of that. And now all I do, I don't have a big plan. I just every day I tackle one little thing. I clean out a drawer hmm. or I look through a box or I dust some things off and bring them to the basement, but I'm doing it really slowly and in little tiny steps. Yeah. And, um, I've just decided that I made a conscious decision. I'm not going to be all bent out of shape over this. Right. I'm not going to be disappointed that it's taking me longer than a month to pack up my stuff. So I guess that's, would be a current example for me. Absolutely. Yeah. I was, Sharing with you in our um, in our pre-recording conversation um, that I think one of the real difficulties with this topic and one of the reasons why I really wanted to talk about it today was that we're not used to talking about the little like the little wins, the little incremental successes. So when we're out, um, you know, meeting with people when we're out at uh, uh, parties, we always want to share the big wins, the new job, the new car, the new house, the new project, uh, the new project, mm -hmm. you know, the new huge success, um, you know, like the new award. Um, or um, if it's not something that we did, then it's something that our family did, that our kids or our brothers or our friends did. We want to uh, we want to share that and highlight that or we want to complain about something or uh, gossip. It's mm -hmm. so like those are the usual conversation <laughs> topics, but it's rare that you hear someone say, um, I wrote uh, 500 words of a 15,000 word, you know, like mini book. Mm -hmm. Like you never hear someone say that. They wait until they finish the book and it gets, you know, 10,000 likes on Facebook. Right. And that's when somebody's willing to, to, to say that. Right. And so I think that that's exactly why I wanted to sort of talk about this with our audience, because I think that that, that that culture and that fear of, of, of talking about, or that like reticence of talking about the little wins kills creativity. Mm. 
Since we're constantly feeling bad that we didn't do more. We don't have something to show for it. Mm-hmm. Except we do have something to show for it. Since 15,000 words is made up of many 500-word writing sessions. Too. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that part of the reason we're reluctant to talk about our little baby steps along the way is because we're just so used to hearing everything hyped up so much through the media, you know. You know, you watch the news, it's all, it's big events. It's very rare that, you know, on the news there will be like, and Mr. Kramer raked his lawn today, you know? I mean, it's all, you know, big blockbuster stuff. And I think we're sort of trained to feel that we're in this big blockbuster movie, you know, and we're supposed to be these superhero people with, you know, always able to talk about big things. But um, truthfully, life is made up of lots of, little tiny steps. And I think if you have close friends, if you're lucky enough to have close friends, like I definitely have friends that I can say, hey, I wrote 500 words today and they'd be super right. psyched for me. You Absolutely. Know? It's just in a maybe a more public setting or right. a social setting where you just sort of know people casually. You don't really want to talk to those people about, you know, your little tiny accomplishments because it just doesn't seem important enough, I guess. Yeah. But do you think it? I, do you agree that maybe the media has sort of taught us to feel badly, you know, about the little things and only feel like we should tout the big stuff? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. We're definitely living in more of a, and I've seen this progression as I've grown up through adolescence and then in like young adulthood. I've seen this progression um, as well of of we're increasingly living in a look-at-me, look-at-me society. Yes. That's a good way to put it. I mean, even all the social media stuff. Yeah. It's like you said, the media. Mm-hmm. I mean, I put, you know, like I put bunny ears around that. I put like right. air quotes around the media. But I think social media is part of that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's one of the ways that we're getting a lot of our news and current events. And it's increasingly personal, which is a good thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's also sort of breeding this culture of... Of, of people feeling a need to highlight and brag. And sometimes that can be good. Yeah, I mean, sometimes you want to promote something you're doing for business reasons or whatever. Absolutely. And I could see smaller social networks and circles of close friends, just like you mentioned, and that being a really good thing. You could use that as a way. I've seen people do this where they use that as a way to hold themselves accountable for things. Uh-huh. So they'll post, you know, here are my goals for the month. Right. So then people are commenting and then people are asking them about it if they don't make them. And that can be hugely um, successful and conducive to leverage your friends, you know, for that. Mm-hmm. But then at the same time, I saw a friend of mine post something the other day that said, uh, um, um, you know, we just got a contract of, you know, like XX thousand dollars. And I'm thinking to myself, they post this on Facebook and I'm thinking to myself and I love them dearly and I don't want to share any details um, because I I'm certainly wouldn't want to embarrass them. But I'm thinking to myself as I'm reading that, that feels awful, like prideful to me, like that yeah. feels awful showy to me. And mm-hmm. like it sort of made me uncomfortable even reading it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, since there's a difference between highlighting that success of the at like an intimate dinner with a very few number of friends right. and sharing it on a social network where you may have upwards of a thousand friends. Yeah. And I put air quotes around that too. Uh-huh. Lots of air quotes today. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I was just thinking on the opposite uh, direction, you know, when, especially when Facebook and, you know, different uh, media scenes were, were starting out, a lot of people would post really bland things, you know, like, oh, yeah. I just woke up and had my coffee, you know, and, and that's a little thing, but we make fun of those, you know, like, right. We think, oh, who wants to hear about that? Yeah. We sabotage each other. Except life really is made up of of waking up and and little cups of coffee, right? That's some of our point. Absolutely. I mean, it may not be all that interesting to share. Right. Uh, certainly Fox News would go off the air if that's the only kind of story that they shared. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, Mr. Winkler woke up and had his coffee today. <laughs> Although... Um, if Henry Winkler did wake up and have his coffee, I would want to know about it. I love I'm Hen- just Henry saying. Winkler. I do too. <laughs> it's the Fonz. Hey. <laughs> yeah. Hey. I mean, who doesn't? <laughs> For real. But, um, you know, certainly that wouldn't be, that's not big news. That's not exciting. But mm-hmm. I think that that's some of where we have to compartmentalize that for ourselves and constantly remind ourselves that those big stories are the culmination of all those little mm-hmm. wins. Mm-hmm. So we need to celebrate those. If not just for ourselves, we need to celebrate those. I agree. I agree. So one of the other angles to this topic is the, um, and I was sharing this a little bit uh, uh, with you. I heard this great song uh, by the singer-songwriter Amanda Palmer. Mm -hmm. And the name of the song is In My Mind. Um, In the song, she describes how in her mind she wishes that she was different. She wishes that she was the picture of discipline, that she never messed up anything. Um, And she says all of these uh, uh, things along those lines. But the most interesting part of the song for me is in the refrain, there are four different different iterations of the refrain. Mm -hmm. Um, In the first iteration, she says, uh, um, she says, isn't it funny to think that I will... Um, that I'm not the person that I want to be. And then in the next iteration, she said, isn't it funny to think that I'll never be the person that I want to be? And then in the next iteration, she said, isn't it funny to think that I don't want to be the person that I wanted to be? Mm -hmm. And then in the final iteration, she says, isn't it funny to think that I already am the person that I want to be? So in the end, um, she realizes that she's okay just the way she is. Like, she might not be the person that's always on time or the person that has, I don't know, the best project or she might, you know, whatever. Right. She realizes that, you know what, I'm just okay the way I am. Yeah. Pretty much, right? So she's kind of, so she's accepted that for the way it is. Mm Mm-hmm. And I think that acceptance is often misunderstood too, because we don't have to accept something so as to mean that it's never going to change or that we can't change it. But if we don't first accept something for the way that it is now, then we can never get to changing it because we're constantly trying to change a lie, I think. Hmm. Mm-hmm. So I think that's this, like, that's this paradox of, of acceptance and expectations. I think that's a really cool idea and connection between acceptance and expectations. So we kind of have to accept ourselves how we are and love ourselves despite all of our little faults and imperfections. 
And I think what you're saying is once you can do that, then you can move beyond if there really is something about yourself that you want to change. Absolutely. Something about yourself, something about a project that you're working on. Right, right. It's sort of like, to use a painting analogy, um, it's sort of like if you paint something, and we'll use the medium of a watercolor, for instance, and you don't like the way that it is, and you're constantly trying to pick at that spot. So like you didn't do the trees quite right. And you're constantly, I think that I did this once, like for an art project in, you know, high school where I was constantly going back and I was trying to change it and fix it. Uh-huh. And with watercolor, well, the, like it doesn't work. You know, like do I yeah. just kind of ended up having a gray, muddy mess of, mm-hmm. you know, a tree or whatever the thing was that I was, you know, picking at. Yeah. And some of that was, I think, ego. I didn't want to call it complete when it wasn't exactly the way that I wanted it to be. Okay. But some of what I could have done was say, this was a really good try. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I could have said this is the way that it is, and I learned a lot doing it, and the next time I'm going to try and do that tree differently. Right. And I could have spent all that time and energy making a new painting instead of essentially ruining the one that I had. Mm-hmm. So bringing that analogy back to life I think that we do that sometimes in sabotaging ourselves, sort of. Mm-hmm. So we like we sabotage, you know, things that we're trying to do by just subtly picking at them. Yeah, focusing on one little thing, maybe right over and over again. Um, when really you want to look at the whole picture and um, and be okay with yourself, right, the way you are. Yeah, right. I think that's the point. Yeah. So I've been I'm sharing some of this with the audience, but I've sort of changed some of what I've been doing professionally this year. So uh-huh. since we've been recording our season one, I've, I've, I've just about totally um, changed what um, my, uh, what my company's doing and what, you know, uh, uh, what I'm doing within my company. Uh, uh, we used to focus mostly on on creative services sort of projects, mm-hmm. so graphic design and, and website design and things like that. And now we've pivoted uh, uh, totally just to focusing on the consulting end of things, which we had always done, but now we're really doing that mm-hmm. uh, just about exclusively. And some of what that meant to the sorts of clients that we were looking for and to the revenue streams is I sort of had to start over kind of. Right. So I had some contracts and jobs that were continuing, um, but I sort of had to build again from scratch. So some of what that's meant is I've had to, to, to change a lot of things and to start doing different things. And I sort of had this expectation that I would be further along than I am now. Mm-hmm. And I sort of, sat back and especially thinking about this quote, I sort of said to myself, first of all, that's a crazy expectation. And second of all, I have a lot more things that I have to learn. Mm -hmm. So we sort of changed things up. So I'm doing a lot more networking out in the community and I'm doing a lot more of the sales job. Whereas I used to have people that, um, that did that. Mm-hmm. So that wasn't my role. So I'm dropped into these new challenges and these new ways of doing things. And so I built up this mental sort of expectation that I would have it all figured out by now and be this huge success. Right. 
and it's not to say that I haven't been successful in the last five months. I oh, think yeah. that actually I've been extremely successful, but it's been a series of those small, unremarkable successes. Yeah, yeah. And so I'm sitting there thinking, you know, like, why isn't this huge? You know, like, why haven't I been able to, you know, like, build back up to, you know, like, mid-five-figure, you know, like, whatever revenue numbers, you know, blah, blah, brag, brag. <laughs> and some of what I sort of came to the realization of, like, A, that's kind of boring. Mm-hmm. Um, if I did, like, if I was able to 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 make all of that happen – and that would be kind of boring because I still have stuff that I want to learn. I still have challenges that I want to challenge and push myself on. Mm-hmm. And secondly, that's not – it sort of doesn't matter. So like I can have that expectation all I want and it sort of doesn't really – It doesn't help you at No. All. That's for sure. Since I am here, you because know, like you, to go you, back – You can't help but feel at like not a failure but, you know, like, yeah, I guess – you can't help but feel like a failure if you have this huge expectation. Right. That's kind of impossible to fulfill. Right. In the way that you wanted. Yeah. So really, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter because I am where I am. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the sooner that I can accept that, the sooner that I can then make the decision of where I want to go next and not make that decision from a defensive point of view. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if that is helpful I think so because, I mean, most things we do have a learning curve and the learning curve can be really um, tiring, you know what I mean? And maybe even disappointing if you're learning lots of, if you have to learn lots of new things, you're just not going to learn them right away. So you have little stops and starts and little, you know, a few steps forward, a few steps back. And that takes time. So we have to learn to be patient with ourselves. I think that we're often very impatient with ourselves, you know? So where does that come from? Ooh, well, I think that we're sort of living in a society where um, success is a huge factor. You know, it's, it's the work ethic mm. um, of our country and our time, our time period. Um, and, you know, we, and plus we're in this world where everything's like instant, you know, there's uh, right. instant food, you know, <laughs> I don't know. What, not good food. No, not good food, but it, but it's quick. <laughs> but it's quick. <laughs> it's instant. Um, that's, I, growing up, I remember like that was the whole big thing. There was instant coffee was like a huge thing. Right. Instant coffee. Like people were just, they couldn't get over that. It was like instant coffee, you know? Yeah. And, um. Oh, gosh, all kinds of stuff. And then when we got microwaves, you know, you could just pop something in and you have like an instant meal. Right. It's sort of like this space age, you know, technology. Everything's supposed to be quick and fast and immediately wonderful. And um, we sort of focus on the end results uh, of that instead of the process. And that sort of means by implication that it's easy. It's like it's fast, it's quick, and thereby it should be like it should be easy. easy. So if it's not easy for us, then there must be something wrong with us. Absolutely. We're doing it wrong. We're doing it wrong. You know. As you were talking about, uh, uh, as you were talking about instant coffee and instant food, I was reminded um, about the movie My Cousin Vinny. Have you ever seen that movie? (laughs) Yes, I love that movie. (laughs) I love that movie too. 
It's a classic. And one of the ways that he won the trial, if I can remember correctly, is because he called a witness up um, who was a little fuzzy on the time. And he asked him about uh, grits. And he said, you know, like, did you make like, were you making instant grits? All right. (laughs) And so as it turned out, you know, the person wasn't making instant grits. And he was like highly offended by this uh, question. And so then they were able to clear up the time frame because the grits must have took at least 20 minutes for him to make. <laughs> oh, God. Joe Pesci, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my, he's so funny. So funny. Yeah. Everything's supposed to be quick, easy, instant. We have this just drilled into our heads. Yeah. And it just keeps you spiraling, spiraling. You know, you feel like you're always trying to catch up and trying to get to that goal. And But like in other cultures... They have different um, perceptions, even of time and of success and, and whatnot. Sure. I think it's, we're just a product of our our time period and our, our culture. And some of that's even true of cultures within the United States. You know, of course, our perception is U.S.-centric, but in the South, um, for a Northerner born and raised, when I go to some parts of the South and I try and check out at a store – I find the process to be mind-numbing because mm-hmm. they will go so slowly and have this conversation and it's just not the fast pace taking care of everything quickly like I'm used to, like I would experience in New York City, for instance. Yeah, which is super fast. Right. Yeah. But some of what maybe they value and understand and maybe is so often missed is that there's joy in that time that it takes to do things. Sure. There's a joy in that exchange with the other person that you're catching up with. You know, they right. may be personal relationships are valued more than being economical or speedy. Right. You know, it's just a different mindset. And so back to the instant grits, there's joy in the Southern gentleman taking 20, 25 minutes to slowly make his grits. Maybe that's a chance for him to, think about his day or reflect on the things that he really values or mm-hmm. spend those spend that time in the morning to get centered. And if we just make instant grits in the microwave, we miss that. Mm-hmm. So there's so much of that that we just skip right past. Absolutely. So maybe they should package non-instant grits as joyful grits. <laughs> right? Good idea. That's a good like marketing that. spin on that, right? <laughs> joyful grits. So would you like the instant grits or the joyful grits? <laughs> I mean, the same applies to like oatmeal or a, a cream of wheat or any of those uh, right. breakfast, um, the those hot breakfast cereals. <laughs> yeah, we uh, we just don't take our time. We're not trained to do that at all. Um, everything has to be efficient. That's a good word. Yeah. Everything has to be super efficient. Efficient expectations. Efficient expectations and acceptance. Oh, my. (laughs) That's big. Yeah. Big concepts there. So, I I mean, when you you originally were telling me about this topic and uh, getting back to Einstein's quote, the reason for time is so that everything doesn't happen at once. That's so intriguing to me because time is something that we've kind of made up. Right. I mean, it doesn't really exist. I mean, things go on, things move onward, but we, you know, we tally up the seconds and the nanoseconds (laughs) of our day. 
And um, I was thinking about how, uh, how we often will have different experiences of time depending on what we're doing. So if you're involved in, say, a right brain activity like painting or gardening or whatever, even washing your car, you get into this flow of activity and thoughts and you sort of lose track of time. And aren't those like the most wonderful moments? Yeah. Like you might panic at the end of it and think, oh, my God, I just spent, you know, three hours on this. And, I, you know, maybe you didn't have that time, but it was like the most enjoyable time that, that you had right. for that day, you know. And um, I think that's why being creative is so important. You know, it, it's a good I'm noticing today, too, like things are seem to be spinning so out of control in our bigger world that we live in that there's really a, a new appreciation for the arts, like especially among younger people. Like there are tons and tons of people going to art schools. And we haven't had that sort of a um, interest in the arts since the 70s, really. Wow. Like the 60s, 70s were very big on the arts. Most colleges had art programs or art majors. Right. And then in, during the 80s and 90s and early 2000s, it's just sort of ebbed away. Mm-hmm. And now there's a big resurgence of it. Like, for instance, the Savannah College of Art, which I went, I took my son to visit that. They have like 6,000 art students there. It's That's huge. unbelievable. It's like there are uh, there are art students enough to fill an entire city. Yeah. <laughs> it's wonder it's so wonderful. Yeah, it really is. So, I think I mean, since we're talking about creativity, we have to really really try, especially if you are a creative person, you have to try not to get too caught up in the whirlwind of life and you know, all those big um big goals that society has out there you know, maybe we won't ever reach those goals. It doesn't mean we're not going to have a great life. In fact, we might even have a way better life um, not trying to reach those goals. Hmm. I, I'm, I'm really, I'm struggling with it because and lately I've seen a couple of really wonderful movies or documentaries about Buddhist monks. Right. And the most recent one I saw was about Nicholas Vreeland, who is the grandson of Diana Vreeland, who was the editor of Vogue for many years. Oh. And so he came from this incredible rarefied atmosphere. He was really well educated. His families, you know, had an interesting family, very into the arts and things. And when he was 28, he basically walked away from it and um, sold all his and got rid of all his possessions and became a monk. And as I'm getting rid of all my possessions, I'm thinking maybe I should just keep going, you know, like maybe, <laughs> maybe I should just get rid of everything. I mean, I wonder what that would feel like. Yeah. I mean, can you really imagine um, <laughs> what that would feel like to just have you? Right. You know, I don't think I'll, you know, get that far with it, but <laughs> but it's like tantalizing to me. I think it's because I am creative and I'm I get tired of that that grind, that whirlwind is just too, it's like exhausting. Yeah. You know? Right. It's just exhausting. That reminds me of the Buddhist phrase that I think that I'm getting right, but the things that you own, own you. Mm. And that this idea of, of that we're sort of, of, especially in Western society that we're born with, uh, this culture and this idea that possessions equal happiness. 
And success. Right. Yes. So if we want to be more happy and more successful, we need to add more things. We need to add more uh, uh, physical shiny objects. We need to add more work so that we can afford the physical shiny objects. But to your point of of do we really need all these things, mm-hmm. is the end that quote of of the things that we own own us, is that really going to make us any happier? Or are those things just going to be links in the chains that kind of keep us stuck? I think they're the links in the chains. Yeah. I think the more things you have, you have to take care of all those things. You have to store them. You have right. to polish them. You have to right. repair them. And when they break, you need new ones. <laughs> right. It's like an endless cycle of acquiring stuff, you know? Yeah. And... um yeah, it's pretty horrifying. I, I had a dream the other night. Like, I actually did rent a storage space. I have some things that um, I don't want to move with. And then I have some of my kids' stuff. I thought, you know what, I'll store it for them until they're ready for it. But I had sort of like this nightmare. And I the nightmare was, I instead of having a storage space, I decided to get one of those pods, you know, those big container yeah. units. They deliver them to your house. You, sure. you fill it up. And then they take it away somewhere. And the dream was that I had done that and then I needed stuff for my pod, you know. So I went to the pod facility and the pod facility, it was like as far as the eye could see, there were pods stacked up like a mile high and like in every direction. And I right. I couldn't get to my stuff. <laughs> I couldn't figure out which pod had my stuff. So you're running through these aisles of I pods. I was running through aisles of pods and, and I was thinking, this is all people's stuff that they don't really want was really kind of creepy. Yeah. So that kind of <laughs> pushed me anew to, you know, get rid of some things because I don't want to be in that situation where, you know, there's just stuff that's being stored and not being used. Like, right. What, what is the point of that, really? Someone else could use them. Well, and your nightmare is 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 very much a reality. I mean, we don't see that because we live in... Um, you know, suburban slash rural, you know, like parts of the country, but at the end parts of the world. Mm-hmm. But we have just in our small community, we have maybe half a dozen self-storage sort of units. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And if we were to, 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 to total them all, that kind of is your vision. Like that kind of is exactly yeah, what I you mean, described. There probably is a place like that. Yeah. There, there has to be. I mean, the pods go somewhere. <laughs> when I lived in Miami, they had uh, they had storage facilities like that mm-hmm. um, that were in uh, high rises on the outskirts of uh, uh, town. So if you uh-huh. just drove to where the property was was slightly cheaper, uh-huh. um, you would go to uh, uh, something that was maybe a five ten story building that just had rows of those kind of self storage lockers. Wow! And so it was that same sort of thing. And you do you get uh, you get lost in it. Mm-hmm. Um, you, because you can't tell, you know, one from the other, and of course, people never go back frequently. It just right. becomes something that weighs them down in the back of their mind. It does it. So that gets back to your point, which that stuff really does own you. I mean, yeah, you can't get rid of it. You know, there's a st- invisible string that you have to that storage space. You know, it's right. tying you down. Yeah, it's really a weight. Since all of those things that you put there, there's an expectation assigned to it. Mm-hmm. So there's an expectation of I'm storing this, like you said, I'm storing this for my kids or I'm storing this because 
because my dead grandmother would be really ashamed of me if I threw this heirloom away, right. but I don't like it enough to keep it in my house. Right. Um, or s- something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we we still don't want to deal with it. That's why we put it in. We this, put it there. That's why we, we put just, it there. Yeah. We just, we don't want to see it. It's like right. sweeping it under the rug, you know. But that out of sight, out of mind cliche really isn't true. No. No. Since just because it's out of sight, I actually think that it's even more stuck in our mind Mm because there's a part of us that's feeling like we can't forget it. Right. And you have to pay for it every month, too. Right. (laughs) So you really can't forget it. Yeah. There's a monthly reminder in the form of a monetary fee. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But anyway, I I just think as, as creative people, we have to be patient with ourselves Um, realize that whatever we want to accomplish, we probably will. We just need to take our time, um, learn some lessons along the way. And definitely, I think it's a great idea to keep track of all the baby steps that you make. So true. And I actually have, I do that. I have a notebook that I keep on my desk. And at the end of every month, I jot down all the things that I accomplished. I, I may have already spoken about this. And so it's my called my book of accomplishments. And but some of them are really tiny, you know, like the accomplishments for the month of March could be, hey, I finally cleaned out my closet. Not very exciting to anyone else. But all those little things add up. Yeah. You know, they really add up. And it's if you're having a low day, it's great to look back through it and say, hey, you know, I really did get a lot done so far this year. Yeah. You know, it's good to remind yourself that no matter where you are, you've come a long way. I loved seeing that the first time that you showed me that book. Um, I, I so respected the the work that you had put into doing it, first of all. But I really loved and appreciated that idea of, of cataloging those little successes. Mm-hmm. Since good or bad or, or you know major or small, that's led you to who you are today. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so it sort of is what it is. So you can go back, if you're feeling low, you can go back and look at it, but feeling low itself is just as much of an illusion as, as time is because it still doesn't matter. You're still who you are and where you are. You're just remembering all of those things. <laughs> right. So right. I think this is has been one of my favorite shows to date with some of these connections that we made. And I loved your kind of connection from the from from the expectations in time to the physical things that we've accumulated in time and how those are also just another way of how we're sort of cataloging expectations. Mm-hmm. I love that uh, twist on it. I wouldn't have thought of that. Oh, well, I'm, I'm glad that that might be helpful for some people. It's definitely helpful for me. And I think I've said this before, but a lot of times that what we talk about here on our podcast really help me. Like they stay with me for the week, you know, and uh, it's just, it's great to be able to get together and talk about things that can help us be inspired and, and stay on track and to not lose, lose fact of the fact that here we all are. I mean, we're alive, we're, we're here and we should just be so thankful and happy for that simple thing. You know, that's so true. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel the exact same way. I'm so thankful um, for, for every one of these last 12 episodes. Um, I certainly 
hope that they help people. That's our goal in sort of getting these ideas out there and sharing them with our broader community. Mm-hmm. Um, and in season two, we'll start to formalize that a little bit more. We have some great plans of, of how we can make more connections and really promote the show so that it gets in front of more people and we can have more interactive projects. Yes, we really, truly, if, if you're an avid listener or a regular listener to the podcast, we would love to hear from you. Maybe there is a topic we haven't covered yet that would be really helpful for you. Um, and we would love that input. We really would. So feel free to share your ideas. So thanks so much uh, to all of you listeners for an incredible first season. Um, this has been so great. And the feedback that we have gotten has really warmed my heart. Um, the and really pushed us to try and continue to make great content. And uh, we can't wait to see you in season two. We'll see you then. 